Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to the episode of Sheologians. We're here today to put the her and hermeneutics, hermeneutically sound. We have not done hermeneutically sound before. I think we've done hermeneutics. Not no not the sound. <gasps> it happened, Joy. Did you just do one that we said we would never do? Yes, because people kept telling me to do it. So in 2017, I was like, I'm never doing it. But then, mom brain. It doesn't matter. So you've lost all your <laughs> principles, all just like everybody else in the world today. Good night, you guys. The show is over. Welcome um, to 2020. Everyone just throwing just we're giving their up. principles out the Everyone's window. Everyone's giving up, and no one's principled anymore. My name is Summer Yeager, and I am here with my beautiful co-host, Joy. And I am also here with my ever-resilient, cardiovascularly superior in every way, <laughs> chimichanga-loving, stargazing gun and laser and telescope toting, Fuji wearing, turquoise loving, Keith Green singing, speed limit driving, yes. dad joke telling, debate winning, formerly world traveling, book writing, exegetical ninja. This is Clementine's grandpa, my dad, James White. Oh, that you 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 know, if you had done that without a screen in front of you, I would, would have been even more impressed. <laughs> it would have been really embarrassing, I think, for both of us. And since I've already horribly embarrassed myself with my her today, yes, yes. <laughs> I figured maybe we shouldn't keep doing that. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Hi. Hey, Dad. Hey. Uh, Welcome. I'm, I'm just, I'm waving at, 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 at Jojo. Baby Jojo has a cute hat. So here's your weekly Georgia update. Mm-hmm. She, tell us what's new with Georgia this week. Um, there's not a lot. I'm sure she'll be walking soon or standing up soon. She looks a little flushed right now, but she's wearing her sun hat and she's very happy. (laughs) She's very cute. I wish you guys could see this. Just imagine that you're now in the presence of a really adorable baby because that's how we feel right now. (laughs) Say hi, Jojo. Are you going to talk? She does this little, listen, listen real close. Boom, boom, boom. (laughs) Say hi. Say hi. She no, you, look, you look strange. She's just a whisper baby, and it's really sweet. You guys heard it. You heard it here. <laughs> you heard it first here. Good job, JoJo. We're very proud of you. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So She's good. Yeah. She's just getting wild, and wild. her new favorite thing is to get a big um, mouthful of food and then, like, climb up onto me and then go... <laughs> Right into my face. <laughs> Children are so special. But only with certain textures. <laughs> and it's the texture you can imagine would be the most splattery. The worst, the worst yeah. option. So like yogurt. Yeah. Applesauce. That's wonderful. That kind of stuff. That's really special. She tried it with avocado this morning. Oh, no. Well, but motherhood is <laughs> great. Messy. It's messy. Hey, I don't like that word. <laughs> anyway, hey, so we're here. Let me tell you guys. We just... um. We released some new stuff in the shop last week. We finished up book club. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Abigail Dodds joined us. We had some technical How difficulties. But after the technical difficulties were over, 
mostly just because my laptop doesn't really work. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was great. Everyone had a great time. It was a really great discussion. She was able to tell me some things that like made the book that much better. Like I wish I had asked her some of these questions before I read it, <laughs> but regardless, <laughs> irregardlessly, as the dictionary <sighs> now says. Yes, yes. <laughs> It was the really great. The dictionary doesn't have it all. The di- <laughs> no, the dictionary is not as cool as it's it thinks it is. It's not just everything like it used to be. <laughs> the dictionary thinks it's cool, but it's not. Anyways, so I want to remind you guys that um, our next round of book club starts on July 22nd. So the book we're going to be reading is God's Battle Plan for the Mind. It is by David Saxton, and it's going to be a really great time. So you can join us uh, at patreon.com slash theologians to do that. Uh, you can hit up shopsheologians.com. We have some new arrivals and mm-hmm. um, we are ad free. So you need to buy a t-shirt and you can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. Do I have anything else I need to tell them? Not really. We have more colors on this on the shop. Yes. Now. The shop's getting more That's colorful. It's really exciting. It is really exciting. We're constantly working on new stuff, new releases. Um, and we keep just hearing your guys' feedback and living accordingly. So thanks for that. Yay. Yeah. Hey. Okay. So dad. Hi. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe this is... We were just talking about this a little bit. Maybe this is a... A just like we just vibe, you know, because we've been talking. I've been talking to you for like 31 years, 30 years, really, probably. So a little bit less time than I've been talking to you. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) So you know how like sometimes, you know, inside of families, you get like a shorthand, right? Right. Because you Mm -hmm. just. Well, the other day we were having a conversation and in my mind, it was fully. It was a fully formed conversation where we said everything that needed to be said for it to be coherent. 100. But Matthew was like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> and apparently we did some telepathy as well yeah, as... Uh. Just like, <laughs> I didn't need her to say anything more. I but I thought it. we said it all. I thought we did well, too. Remember, I, I listened to your mother <laughs> yeah. talking to her sister. Identical, and identical twins. twins. Oh, so even so they gave it, it even more of a shorthand. Oh yeah. Just yeah, real intense. Yeah. It's genetic. Yeah. Well, so they were talking in the womb. So it's <laughs> right, just, right. It's just, yeah. They've been talking for a, a lot longer than I've been talking to you. So right. they've got a lot of years. No, on I was it. I was thinking about how when you're a twin, you um, you're like so, twins are the only people that have met another person before birth they're actually born mm-hmm. it's so weird i i don't know maybe it's because my mom's a twin but i just like have a fascination with twins i think they're so mm-hmm. i could just watch like they just let them do their thing and just observe like uh, what's happening and it's very special and interesting but anyway so dad said to me we were talking and i was like hey man <laughs> haven't had <laughs> haven't had you on the show in a while <laughs> let's do this and he said okay well let's we should do a show on the big six and i was like yeah the big six say no more <laughs> um i know exactly and i think if someone had been like what's that i would have internally the inner man would have immediately felt a little judgy <laughs> and i would have to like you know, you don't know what the thing. <laughs> you don't know what <laughs> So let me help you. So anyway, <laughs> well, we've we've been surrounded by this discussion for so long that uh, yeah. Obviously, we're talking about 
what the pro-homosexual, pro-LGBTQI, RSTV, XYZ. Um, plus, plus. Plus, plus. Uh, <laughs> to, the, to the square, yeah. to the third square power. Square root of. Uh, right, yeah. <laughs> they call these six clobber passages, three in the Old Testament, three in the New Testament, that, that everyone agrees, well, okay, almost everybody agrees, uh, specifically refer to homosexuality. Right. There are other passages that pretty plainly refer to homosexuality. A lot of the temple prostitution in the Old Testament uh, included oh. uh, homosexuality and okay. things like that within it. But to, to specifically say, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? These are the six passages that are normally brought up. I graduated from seminary in 1989. I could not have told you what they were. So in other words, that just that was it not wasn't on the radar. It wasn't on the radar. It wasn't uh, wasn't a discussion amongst conservative Christians at that point. It certainly was amongst liberals, obviously at that point, but but it wasn't in our circles. And so uh, that was something that had to come up a little bit later on uh, in my in my experience to become familiar with those things. It's not that we hadn't encountered them. It's just that well, what are the main texts that you would go to? And these six um, are the ones that what we need to understand is your affirming church and there are more and more and more of them uh churches mm -hmm. that you never would have expected mm -hmm. to be quote unquote affirming are becoming that mm -hmm. um i think it's a it's it's a part of an entire reflexive movement right now so you you have black lives matter being incredibly lgbtq and especially with emphasis on t right yes black and you're trans like, lives it, matter. black trans mm -hmm. lives matter and you're like most of us are like, but those are completely separate things, but not when your primary goal is simply to reorient the entire culture right. and to destroy the foundations. They're not separate things, they're the right. same thing. Yep. Right. For us, they're completely different things. And so we are a little bit on the confused side as to why in the world this is, this is happening, but it doesn't change the fact that we have to be extremely, uh, uh, we have to guard the flock, we have to guard within our own churches. Uh, because people will come in and sound like they're saying everything. I mean, a lot of these people we're seeing today used to say all the things that we say, and they used to be fellowshipping right next to us, and now they're completely on the other side of things. And mm -hmm. how did that happen? Mm -hmm. um, part of it is we were just not diligent enough to clearly listen to what was being said. But the fact remains, we need to know these six passages, but we also need to recognize they are insufficient in and of themselves to actually provide a meaningful response. That it has been very uh, much a part of, of what I have emphasized over the years. And of course I wrote, I co-authored a book in 2001 with uh, someone you know, uh, yeah. uh, Pastor Jeff Neal, yeah. uh, pastors in uh, the Fort Worth area in Texas, and a dear friend, and um, we, he, had, uh, he had done a series, he was far-sighted enough that he had done a series of the church in, in uh, Phoenix uh, before he left. Um, on the subject of homosexuality, and this was like in 2000. So that wow. was way ahead of the, yeah. of the curve in, in a lot of those circles. And then he and I had uh, gone on uh, the local radio station here, KFYI. No, 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 no. It was a Christian station. It wasn't KFYI. It was, it was oh. a Christian station, the KPFQ. Oh. Um, hmm. And we had debated two homosexuals, one of whom was the chaplain to the Arizona Senate who had been a student with us at Grand Canyon College before he came out as, as a homosexual. Mm. 
And that's what started when he and I did that, that debate against two homosexuals uh, in the studio, same studio that you guys used to record yeah. Apology mm -hmm. Radio in. Um, when we did that, uh, the acquisitions editor that had been working with me at Bethany House for Letters mm. to a Mormon Elder and all this that stuff heard the program and said, would you two, uh, and, and he had worked with Jeff at Brian Christian Bookstore years and years and years earlier, all the connections are interesting. Would you guys uh, want to put together a book on this? And that's where the same-sex controversy came from, was from, from I remember that you writing that. I remember how much you hated it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's not, that was not an, it, you know, uh, Amazon had come into existence, and so you started, you're, you're purchasing all these books, and even back then, we couldn't keep up with the number of new books that were coming out promoting this stuff. Right. And that mm. was, that was uh, almost two decades ago now. Right. And so, but the arguments really haven't changed, the text hasn't changed, uh, but there have been a lot of developments since then. We would love to do an update of that book sometime. Uh, of course. If, if you just, you know, there's just so many other things going on. But I've emphasized, ever since we wrote that book, that even though that's what we had to focus upon, that is an insufficient uh, perspective. We, we have to have a positive mm -hmm. perspective on human sexuality, a positive perspective on mankind being created in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of the problem is. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of Christians just don't have that. You all emphasize a lot of that stuff because you have to deal with the issues of feminism and gender right. and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's central mm -hmm. uh, to having a solid foundation to, yep. to respond to literally the revisionism mm -hmm. um that is be it it's it's not that it has a strong argument uh most of what we see taking precedence in our society no. right now has no strong arguments at all no you just shout down the other side right um yeah. you just you just you just shut violence, them up violence yeah well violence or uh, academically you just mm -hmm. shut them down mm -hmm. if, if you don't um well I, I i mentioned on the dividing line uh, yesterday uh, an article came out that uh university of colorado boulder mm -hmm. put out a, a statement that, that basically said if you want to work here or be enrolled here uh you have to support the black lives matter uh, movement yeah and so it's it's totalitarianism is totalitarianism you just shut yeah. down the other side and then say you won anyways right <laughs> uh, and that's what that's what's happening in, in christian academia uh, as well and what's scary about this is one of the terms we'll have to look at eventually is in First Corinthians chapter six and First Timothy chapter one. It's the term arsenokoites, um, which is understood as uh, homosexual. But between the time that um, we wrote our book and now a new edition of the standard Greek lexicon has come out, uh, Bauer, Dunker, Arndt, and Gingrich, and the entry on that word is three times larger now than it was when we wrote the book and all of that addition is revisionist material that is was not prompted by a study of historical documents and like that it's political it's it's politics within the academy and so so even when the sources from which you draw your definitions to translate the scriptures right even they are are subject to being influenced by what is what is going on. Wow. And so uh, it's certainly understandable to me why the vast majority of of Christians hear they'll, they'll hear what the world is saying and they'll go, yeah, but the Bible says. But then when Matthew Vines and the Reformation Project and mm -hmm. now 
uh, mainline, all the mainline denominations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Without, without, the only, I mean, the United Methodists stood firm and then they saved the ship and then jumped off the ship. Uh, I don't know if you know, they, no. they, the United Methodists recognized we all are not going to be able to get along. And because you all have the African element, the African United Methodists are conservative. They're like, no, we're not going with mm -hmm. this stuff. Mm. Um, it's same thing in the Anglican communion. It's the, it's the, it's the African bishops who have wow. stood firm and said, Good for them. we're not going here. Good for them. Same thing happened with the United Methodists. But they also realized we all can't work together anymore. And so, unfortunately, the conservatives decide we'll we'll leave right. and start our own denomination, which I think they had won. Right. And then they left. Right. Um, I, I'm not really sure what all the politics that was. Of course. I, maybe I don't want to know, but that's what's going on. All the mainline denominations, and now, like a door getting kicked open. You saw the article yesterday. Uh, majority of evangelicals support women uh, in pastoral roles and, and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, Southern Baptist Convention, Southern Baptist institutions, mm -hmm. uh, PCA, OPC, uh -huh. really? OPC? Oh, I mean, yeah, no, that doesn't surprise me because I've been paying attention. Well, yeah, but, but, but honestly, 10 years ago, no, who would right. have even. You wouldn't you know, have. Got, no way. No. This could never. Uh, and I've t I'm, I'm, I've talked to Reformed Baptists who would say, "Well, that's going to happen to those folks. It could never happen to us." Yeah, right. No, well, well uh, yeah, it doesn't right. matter. Here it's, it comes. It's, it's everywhere now. Uh, we need to have a a thorough understanding of what these texts are about, because when we say, "But the Bible says," um, they have they can plop a pile of books yeah. on the on the uh, from yes. especially from former. Former yep. seminary professors yeah. uh, at our institutions yep. saying you're wrong about that. Yep. And uh, it, the word hasn't changed, and there has been no research that has discovered new manuscripts that somehow nothing has changed. But right. what has changed is is our entire societal approach to the meaning of words and, and everything else in the process. Yep. And so that's what we're up against. And um, for our children, you know, uh, all the homeschoolers out there. You have to be able to communicate these things uh, to young minds because mm -hmm. uh, the culture is communicating these things to those young minds mm -hmm. uh, from the other direction all the time. Yep. And so um, we can no longer have people graduating from seminary like I did mm -hmm. um, and not knowing what these texts are, what they say, and the consistent understanding of them yeah uh, because once we accept the idea that well you know we've, we've been wrong about that there's other ways of understanding it it's done yeah there's there's you're not going to be able to uh, hold the line any longer at all yeah okay so i actually just realized that uh maybe we don't have the same the big the six <laughs> so <laughs> when i'm thinking of the six i'm thinking genesis 19 leviticus 18 22 leviticus 2013 Romans 1, 18 through 32, but specifically 26 and 27, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, and 1 First Timothy, Timothy 1, 1, 8 10. through 10. Right, uh-huh. Okay. Right. We got, we're three, on the three, same. Three in the Old Testament, three, three in the New Testament. Three in the Old Testament, Testament three right. in the New. Uh -huh. Great. Right. All right. So where should we start? Well, to, it, it's easier to understand really as four uh, for, some re for one reason. Uh, okay. 1 Corinthians 6 and 1 Timothy 1 are the same term and hence the responses are almost identical. So it's arsenokoites is the term that is yes. under disputation there. Though 
It is interesting. Is it a different term in Romans 1? It is different during Romans 1. Yes, oh, okay. yes it is. Well, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so uh, it's interesting, though, that in our book, we put more emphasis upon 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Yeah. Because that has the great, you know, and such were some of you. Yes. Right? That's, that's got, that's got yes. that great entrance into grace and, and salvation yeah. and things like that. But 1 Timothy chapter 1, I've realized since then, if you look at it very, very carefully, Paul is literally laying out the Ten Commandments in 1 Timothy chapter 1, and he's including homosexuality in the um, adultery section. And okay. so there, there's actually something really important about that. Yeah, um, no And kidding. so I will, I've, I've started putting much more emphasis upon that. But they're both arsenokoites, they go together. Uh, the two Leviticus passages in 18 and 20 yeah. are obviously closely related because they're part of what's called the Holiness Code. And, but the 18 passage in chapter 18 yes. is about the nations before Israel, which is why the land spewed them out. 20 is now the law concerning Israel itself. That's why 18 does not have the death sentence. 20 does, because 18 is saying, this is what the land, this is what the people before you did in land, and the land has spewed them out. Mm -hmm. Then you get into Leviticus 20, these are the laws for you, and this is what you do if people do these things. Right. Same uh, abomination, so on and so forth, but they are different. Yeah. One is describing yes. what the other people did. Mm -hmm. This you don't do this, and if you do, this is what this is what happens. So they sort of go together. Yeah. Um, and so you have Sodom and Gomorrah, Genesis eighteen and nineteen. You have uh, the Levitical law, and then you have Romans one, and then you have the use of arsenokoites uh, in First Corinthians six and First Timothy one, and that is, like I said you can make a strong argument that there are other places in Kings and other places where temple prostitution is mentioned that a strong argument can be made that also included mm. homosexual okay. uh, temple prostitution and things like that. Uh, but as far as a specific mention, uh, that's what you have uh, as far as the, those six texts. Now that's, that's actually a lot of texts. That's more than you have for bestiality or, or, or issues like that. Um, and given the New Testament utilization and the context in which it's used. Um, there really isn't any question about this. Uh, as, as Michael Brown has pointed out, there, no one could possibly come up with a single positive thing that scripture ever says about homosexuality. No. You can't do it. No. And so if Jesus was who Jesus claimed to be, and if a certain percentage of the population has always been homosexual, then that means Jesus was talking to people that he knew, since he knew the hearts of men, that he knew were, according to their perspective, naturally born as homosexuals, or as we voice would say, this is a gift from God uh, type of situation. Right. Um, and yet, he never said anything to free them from the mm -hmm. burden of the uh, clearly understood reality of the Jewish people of the first century, shared by Jesus, that this is an abomination. That's why when people say Jesus never said anything about homosexuality, uh, I just, I, I roll my eyes first and then I try to put them back in my head uh, and, and, <laughs> and say, you just don't understand Jesus' view of the law, do you? Right, well, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you to address that briefly. Well, it's, it's, it's central. Um, you know I did a, a series uh, years ago, it's still available online, mm -hmm. on the Holiness Code, I think it was yeah. 35, 35 uh, sermons, uh, where we did, we dodged nothing. Yeah. We looked at every one of the incredibly tough texts mm 
um, and sought to understand uh, the continuing uh, abiding validity of the moral law of God. That is something that I think is one of the weakest areas of most evangelicals. Um, most yeah. evangelicals are, are raised with the mantra, we're not under the law, we're under grace, therefore we're never gonna study law. Right. Um, and as a result, uh, so much of the New Testament and so much of what Paul says just goes right on by because, well, we don't have to worry about all that stuff. That was just Israel, that doesn't have anything to do. And so when we try to now address and have a foundation to address the incredible developments taking place in our day, um, we're just left with nothing more than personal opinions and feelings, right. yep. just like everybody else. Yep. And uh, that, that's, that's not gonna work. So when it comes to Jesus' view of the law, uh, that is very, very straightforward. He, he said he had not come to destroy, but to fulfill. That term fulfill uh, does not mean destroy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing, amazing. <laughs> how many people will, uh, will, will say wow. on the one hand, you know, he did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And what they mean by that is that it come to destroy, but to destroy. Right. Fulfillment most definitely is the law finds its fulfillment in Christ. He is the, the one who, who keeps it perfectly. And it, he is its telos, its end, its fulfillment, all those things. But the reality is that he, by bearing our sins in his body upon the tree, demonstrates the propriety and the continuing validity of the law that condemned us in the first place. Right. And by loving God perfectly and by fulfilling the law positively throughout his life, he further demonstrates the continuing abiding validity of the fact that the law represents God's holy character and, na and nature. And so, so few people have a holistic view of theology to where they see the connection of all of these right. things. So on the one hand, they want to have a Jesus that takes away all the bad stuff of the law, but they don't recognize that what that means is you also need the positive righteousness of Christ. You need to have that fulfillment. You need to have that, have you loved God perfectly with your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Well, Christ did that, but what that demonstrates is that law is a good thing. It is not a negative thing. It's not something that's just right. been, can, be, can be put off to the side. Be like Jesus, except for the part where he was obedient. <laughs> right. Don't worry about that part. <laughs> that's, <laughs> not, that's not a good part. <laughs> just like eat with some prostitutes or something. Just, it's fine. Jesus did it. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that, uh, the idea of consistency is sort of important. Uh, it, it really, really is. And unfortunately, um, many, we do, the, obviously, Apologia Church, we emphasize this idea of consistency. Yes. Um, one of the uh, most obvious impacts I've had upon a certain man by the name of Jeff Durbin. Um, is Jeffrey Wayne. If you wish to <laughs> say that, I really haven't gotten to that point. Uh, you can get away with it. I, I'm, I'm really not sure. I think that... she's the only one. But... I, uh, she's the only one? Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> I don't know why it makes me laugh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. I'm going to I'm gonna have to try that at the next time, next, next little elder get together. I'll, uh, I'll say, Jeffrey I'll, I'll, Wayne. Do, I'll see what happens and we'll see if I survive. I'm not sure that I will. Um, but um, anyway, uh, yes, I've had an impact upon him. You will hear him often saying uh, inconsistency is a sign of a failed Bill argument, argument. And, and he got that from me and yeah. and yes I did make that one up uh, myself I remember exactly where I was when I did it but anyway <laughs> uh, so we've emphasized the need for that kind of consistency and therefore we make application in regards to God's law 
um, in a way that does separate us from a lot of people who otherwise would uh, mm -hmm. be standing next to us on, on all sorts of issues. Yep. So the, the, the point is Jesus's view of his own work, his own person, and his consistent handling of the Old Testament text uh, demonstrates that what that law said, and, and, the, and then its continuation into the teaching of his apostles and Paul, mm -hmm. demonstrates that Jesus didn't have to say anything about homosexuality. Nobody in his day mm -hmm. was arguing that it was a, pos a, a morally right. positive thing. No one was saying that Moses' law should be undone about this, anything like that at all. And so when Jesus emphasizes the continuing abiding validity of that law, and in fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, goes beyond just the word of the law to the very spirit of that law. Yeah. Uh, when he does that, he has said everything that he needs to say about the subject of homosexuality. And anybody who says that, I know, just doesn't have any meaning, either, either any meaningful understanding of what Jesus is saying or any desire to actually know what Jesus right. uh, believed or taught at that particular point in time. Right. And so... What you, whatever needs, everybody needs to understand, everybody uh, who's homeschooling, who's, who's uh, leading worship in their family, whatever, is that every single one of these verses, entire chapters and books are now readily available mm -hmm. to almost anybody you're talking to, to find a way around what that text says. Mm -hmm. They will always isolate each text from the others. Mm -hmm. They won't take them as a group and say, wow, look, there's a consistency from Genesis through the law into the teachings of Jesus, into the apostles, mm -hmm. to the very end of the apostolic age. No, that's no. You take each verse, you isolate it out, and mm -hmm. you try to say, yeah, it could be taken that way, but there's also a possibility that it might mean this or it might mean yep. that. Um you and I follow the same person on Twitter um, uh, who is a former Reformed Baptist yes. uh, has gotten involved in the LGBTQ lifestyle. And you will see this exact kind of argumentation where there is almost a, a demeaning, dismissive, well, if you would just understand yep. Yep. that arsenicoites yep. uh, was used in the fourth century of economic disparities yeah. type stuff. Um, which may be true, but that's irrelevant to the definition of the term. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, that's not how we do New Testament exegesis. That's not how you even ask the question, did the Apostle Paul take two terms from Leviticus in the Greek Septuagint and put them together to form the word arsenokoites? So was it Paul? Was it uh, someone who was contemporary with him? Uh, maybe a rabbi at his time? We're not certain, but he does seem to be the first person who utilized uh, this term. You start there. You don't go four centuries After. down the road right. and say, oh, hey, there was, uh, you know, there's a use here and we can read that back into right. the first century as if that would have been Paul's in in intentional usage or something like that. So there is a consistency to the biblical narrative about homosexuality that comes from the reality of the fact that there is a consistency about who God is right, and that God is our creator and that he gets to define these things. And that overarching narrative is what we really, really, really have to focus upon and be able to communicate to people. Right. But we have to understand it first ourselves. Yeah. 
Okay, so that does require us to know these texts, know yep. their context, but it likewise mm -hmm. requires us to have a bigger, a bigger, bigger overarching, uh, overarching picture. Yeah. So I would start if someone were, to wa were wanting to ask these questions. Um, I would start with the Mosaic Law rather than with with Gen. Well, of course, it depends on the situation. If I only have a sure. few minutes, I'm yeah. probably not even going to try. No. With with Leviticus, it's just going to no. be it's just going to be too hard. Yeah, um, I'm probably going to I'm I'm probably going to camp in Romans one if yeah. I only have five minutes with somebody. Mm -hmm. um, but for our purposes, when we look at the the Old Testament, I think seeing the consistency of what's going on in Leviticus first, mm. um, because there are questions in context about uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Because there's there's no question mm -hmm. that in Sodom and Gomorrah, mm -hmm. you have the men of the city wanting to engage in sexual relations with the the the, the, the angels, angels who they thought were men. Right. There's no question about that. No. But what the argument is is that was gang rape. That was right. uh, That was not a monogamous, consensual. loving, consensual relationship <laughs> issue. Uh, that kind of thing. I wish thing. you guys could see Joy's face right now. <laughs> Because that argument, just I don't know if she's heard people try to make that argument, but I don't think she can handle it. Oh, <laughs> it's just that bad. <laughs> oh, but but it's extremely common. Right. right? It's extremely, it's just so uh, and it's and it's not it's not new. Unfortunately, I mean, we addressed right. it in two thousand one uh, because Daniel Helminiak, uh, a Roman Catholic priest, as I recall, um, had had made that argument. Um, so this has been going on for a long time. This is this is nothing. This is nothing new. There's, there's really nothing new about any of this type of stuff. No, but, of course not. Um, it's out there. All sexualities are okay as long as it's not <laughs> assault, right? <laughs> that's, that's the so that's, that's yeah. how we consent is everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Yeah, okay. that's that's basically what, what's being said there. So there are some complicating aspects, and then of course you've got the the fact that the prophet Ezekiel quotes uh, the story. And condemns That's Sodom and right. Gomorrah for its um, lack of hospitality. Yeah, and hospitality. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. and people see even the Bible's own interpretation is they were being inhospitable, and this is this is what was really going All on. All that was wrong with them was that they weren't nice to the travelers. That is what we're dealing with. Right. Well, <laughs> and and unfortunately, that is repeated so often that yeah. people actually believe Start it. Start to believe it, yeah. Without reading the context and right. seeing that the very next verse says, and they were toeva before me. The term toeva, the only sexual sin that's used of in the, in the Levitical code is for homosexuality. That's right. And so, yes, there, there, was, there was most definitely an inhospi inhospitability, and you, can't, <laughs> you cannot underestimate how important in that time period, hospitality was when there were so few humans on earth. Sure. You had to help each other out. You really did. So that was a high <laughs> order sin to right. not extend hospitality. No, there's no reason to deny any of that. Right. It doesn't change the fact that the term that is used by Ezekiel would have been understood by anyone who knew Leviticus as sexual sin, that which is abomination before God. And just because toeva can be used of non-sexual issues, uh, does not mean that that is not the exact meaning that it had at that particular time in that particular text. And so um, I wrote the chapter on Genesis 18 and 19 in the book. Okay. And so I think I, I make a fairly strong argument, but the problem is 
if you if time is an issue, mm-hmm. that's going to be one that's going to take more, ba- time. more background time without being able to come to a firm conclusion. Right. Um, there is a consistency, I think, in in interpreting it the way that that it should be understood, because when uh, I guess we are talking about it first, anyways. But but yeah. when Lot actually says. You know, do not do not do this evil thing. Once he uses a judgmental term, that's when they turn on him. Mm. Uh, up until then, they're focused upon all the men want to yada know no. these these people. That's very clearly uh, sexual. Uh, I thought they were being inhospitable. Uh, well, <laughs> Did they it's, just want to know? Very clearly, <laughs> and that also I think is important in understanding Lot's action in trying to delay them regarding his daughters. He, he knows they're not going to do this. Right. This is, this is, this is trying to get back cl- closer to the door, I think. Um, it's interesting uh, you say that because I just, someone the other day was taking, I don't know why, yes, this is what happens on my social media feed. The other day I saw someone taking shots at Lot <laughs> because he offered up right. his daughters. Right. But I think it's, <laughs> yes, that is what happens when I get on Twitter. But um, <laughs> I think I'm glad you pointed that out. That it's like, no, Lot knew that uh, these guys weren't interested in his daughters. Well, yeah, he wasn't trying to make up for his in, like his, his lack of hospitality <laughs> by offering another option. That's not well. That, that's how so it looks, no. obviously. Right. Um, and I think there's more to it than that. I think Lot had lived amongst them long enough to know that what their what their issues really were. We are told elsewhere that not only was he a righteous man, but his soul was vexed. Uh, so he had seen these individuals. So I think if you if you take a whole scriptural perspective, uh, he's not quite doesn't come out quite as bad as uh, if you just simply isolate it. Um, sure. But there, yeah, I there, still don't know exactly. I mean, he did some pretty <laughs> awful things, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, yeah, but it, it's 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 a little bit easy just to throw him under the bus rather simplistically, and which, which some people do. But the point is, it's when he made a moral judgment mm. is when the crowd becomes, uh, go, goes crazy. Uh, don't do this evil thing. Who are you to be a judge amongst us? And man, have I seen that attitude sure. uh, from the homosexual community yeah. over and over and over again. That's the, that's the primary thing that we are told is so wrong is that we have been the so judging and, and, and yeah. so, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do believe um, that when you put everything together, when you when you put together that this great evil is being done, and and the the two angels are sent down to investigate this, and uh, you put it all together, that uh, the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is sexual in nature, and it is pan societal. Uh, in other words, it's it is it has infiltrated every aspect of that city because he wipes everybody out. And when Abraham, when Abram is arguing with Yahweh, who's walking with him in physical form, uh, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, yeah. <laughs> you know, he still can't get 10. Uh, right. that, that means there has been a thorough corruption mm-hmm. of the societal context in, in, that, in, that, in that place. So uh, I think that is what it's about, um, but I'm not sure how useful it is unless you can, it's going to be a sit down discussion over a long period of time. Right. So, what is vitally important to do is to establish that the Mosaic Law um, specifically identifies homosexual behavior 
as something that is an abomination before God and is in opposite. It's one of those sins for which the son of God must give his life. And when you look at the holiness code, I'll I'll just be very, very brief with this. When you look at the holiness code, uh, I'll just never, ever forget um, Dr. Gushy, uh, a well-known Baptist ethicist, uh, changed his views a number of years ago Mm. and uh, became supportive of uh, the homosexual movement within evangelicalism. And he spoke at the Reformation conference that uh, Matthew Vines put on. And mm. I'll never forget this man standing there um, basically saying that um, you should listen to what Jesus taught rather than quoting from uh, passages from Leviticus. <sighs> so you should, no, you should listen to what Jesus taught when he said, uh, love your neighbor rather than quoting from passages from Leviticus, which is where Jesus is quoting from Leviticus, yes. where it says, love your neighbor as That's yourself. Right. Um, it was just oh, one of the most amazing painful. things I had ever, I'd ever watched and, and played on the, on the program. And when you go through uh, Leviticus really quickly, Leviticus 18 is talking about the nations that are being driven out before Israel. And it is specifically said uh, for the men of the land who have been uh, been before you have done all these abominations and the land has become defiled so that the land may not spew you out should you defile it as, as it has spewed out the nation which has been before you. So this is talking about this is what the people have done. This is why the land has spewed them out. This is why they're coming under judgment. And the first reference then is in Leviticus 18, 22, you shall not lie with a male as one lies a female. It is toeva, it is abomination. And after that you have bestiality mentioned and so on and so forth. Um, these are the things that the pagans had done. Mm-hmm. That's Leviticus 18. Leviticus 19, then you have a bunch of, of holiness code references. And Leviticus 20 then in verse 13, is where uh, if there is a man who lies the male as those who lie with the woman, both of them have committed a detestable act. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood guiltiness is upon them. And so people will say, well, look, you, you know, you remember the, the West Wing episode, most famous, oh, uh, one of the most famous yes. uh, incidences uh, that, I can, that I can think of. And in fact, I may be the, the only person who's ever played a clip of the West Wing in a Reformed Baptist church yes. as part of a sermon, <laughs> which I be. did. Uh, that, was, that was a shocking thing given the Reformed Baptist church I played it in too, yes. uh, which is about as Reformed Baptist as Reformed Baptist gets. So, Indeed. <laughs> uh, but, but that's what's out there. We get hit with that all the time. You're picking and choosing. You're wearing mixed fibers. You, you don't follow shellfish. the dietary rules. Shellfish. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. It, it's, it's almost a reflexive thing. And most Christians just start running for the hills at that right, point right. because I don't know how to respond to all right. of that stuff. But when we throw the holiness code upon the scrap of history and say that was then, this is now, that was Israel, we don't do circumcision anymore. That was the uh, Old Testament uh, that God. That was Old Testament God and all the rest of that stuff. You need to realize that um, what you're also throwing out is you shall not steal nor deal, fal- nor deal falsely nor lie to one another. You shall not oppress your neighbor nor rob him. The wages of a hired man are not to remain with you all night until morning. 
Um, you shall not curse a deaf man nor place a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall revere your God. I am the Lord. You shall not do injustice and judgment. You shall not show partiality. You shall not be a slanderer. You I shall feel not like I read all of that in the New Testament. Yeah, and it's... I think I've read all of that in the New Testament And recently. there it is in the middle of the <laughs> holiness code, code right? uh, which is exactly what people are chucking out the window to say that homosexuality and... Let's be honest, people are now promoting uh, pedophilia, they're promoting uh, bestiality, uh, mm-hmm. everything that is, is identified as, as an abomination in God's sight um, in the holiness code is now being promoted by someone on the basis of modern psychology or whatever else it might be. Yep. But you're also getting rid of take care of your parents and, and honor old people and, and, and don't, don't pick steal. on blind people and, and don't steal. And yeah, the steal <laughs> thing is not, not doing real well these days no, either. So, <laughs> so all of this is, is a part of the holiness code. That's, that's 19. So you've got 18, 19, 20. You, you're trying to break it up and say, we're gonna keep this, we're gonna throw out that. Um, isn't going to make any sense. And the important part to remember is that when you look at the history of the Jewish people, there is no one contemporaneous with Jesus. Uh, So 200 years before, 200 years after. There is nothing to be found anywhere in any Jewish sources that anyone was suggesting that what was found here in, in the Holiness Code was outdated, to be done away with, Nothing like that whatsoever. That's the whole Jesus didn't say anything about homosexuality thing. It's just so absurd because it's assuming there are all sorts of different positions and therefore Jesus was taking a position against that. No, it was a unanimous understanding from everyone that that's what this was about and that that was good and that was appropriate and that was proper. And in fact, it's reflected then in Romans 1 where you Mm -hmm. see Paul saying these things and he knows the Jews are going rah, 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 which is why you have Romans chapter two. Right, okay? yep. <laughs> so so it, he, he, it, it's, the consistency is very, very plainly, yep. very, very plainly there. But it needs to be understood that when we talk about Jesus dying uh, and fulfilling the law, um, this is part of that law. Mm-hmm. That, to, to, to dismiss this is to, well, uh, the reality is, that we gave much of the Old Testament to the liberals a long, long time ago. Mm -hmm. And so it is a a huge portion of those who stand in pulpits today were taught by men who believe that what we read in the Old Testament was cobbled together from disparate, disconnected oral sources, Mm. uh, probably no farther back than 700 years before Christ. And therefore, because of that, the only reason it has any authority as a canonical text is it has authority because the church has seen it that way. And so once you have that idea that this is not something that is theonustos, it's not God-breathed, it is, it has the shape that it has by accident and it's not because God intended it to have the form that it has. Once you have that nailed into you, and I would say, uh, and I'm estimating here, and I'm sort of assuming that things haven't gotten any better since I was uh, in school or no. teaching in school. No. Um, I would say 94% 
of your seminary graduates have a view of the Old Testament that falls into that category. And so that's going to come out in the pulpit. That's going to come out in your yep. preaching and your teaching. That's going to come out in how the denominations uh, handle things. And even amongst conservatives, what you do is you make it sound like you're still saying what has been said for decades and decades beforehand, yeah. but you mean something different mm -hmm. by how you make application. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing a lot of us sitting around going, how did all these seminary graduates get woke overnight? They didn't. didn't. They no. didn't get woke They didn't. Overnight. The foundations no. were woke a long time ago. Uh-huh. And it's just taken the cultural explosion to mm -hmm. cast the light on it. That's yep. that's where the that's where the issue is. Yep. And so, um, if most people coming into the New Testament texts, when I say most people, most people who are trained in seminary and Bible college, when they come into the New Testament text, they're coming into it with a flawed foundation from the Old Testament to begin with. Mm -hmm. And then you add to that the fact that in most of those colleges and, and seminaries. They're going to be taught that, for example, Paul contradicted Paul. Paul was in conflict with Peter. Um, uh, there was a development in Paul's theology over time. Uh, what you can then do is, is say, well, if that's the case, then uh, how much weight do I really have to put on what Paul right. said in Romans 1? Because he may have changed his view later on, um, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what led um, to amazing experience I had a couple of years ago, I had just gotten back from South Africa and there was a debate held out at a Presbyterian church in Scottsdale. Hmm. And so I got to actually attend a debate, which is very unusual for me. Yeah. If I'm not, if I'm not, if I'm not doing it, I'm moderating it. Right. Uh, this is one of the only debates where I've actually just sat in the audience and, and listened. It was pretty astonishing. Yeah. And it was between Dr. Robert Gagnon, oh, yeah. a very, very well-known uh, scholar who at the time was teaching at Pittsburgh University uh -huh. and was a part of the PCUSA denomination, which had gone soft on this a long, long time ago. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's where he was teaching. And, another, and a, at the time, adjunct at Fuller, mm. Dr. Kirk, Daniel, I think it's Daniel Kirk off the top of my head, and uh, Gagnon was arguing against the Presbyterian Church uh, adopting uh, this perspective, and Kirk was for it. And this is what leads you to say the things that Kirk said. Kirk's basic argument was that just as the Holy Spirit in the New Testament led apostles to understand things about the inclusion of the Gentiles that the Jewish people had not seen. In our day, the Holy Spirit is leading us in the same way to understand that we are to include our homosexual brothers and sisters in Christ the way the Jews didn't see that the Gentiles needed to be included. So by what standard? <laughs> well, well, well like, what? given given the view of scripture, there is no consistent standard to have in the first place. And so this is the problem with that. This is this is an illustration of that. 
And what he was saying is even Paul struggled with this, but the spirit helped him to understand that. And, and we've come to understand there's a number of things that Paul said as a first century believer that we don't agree with any longer, i.e. women in ministry, so on and so forth. And then he said this, and of course we need to recognize that Jesus was a first century man as well. Oh no. And that therefore, we can disagree with things that Jesus thought oh, no. as a first century man. Mm, baby, what is you doing? I'm, I'm, sitting, you doing? I'm sitting back going, did, did I just hear that? And That's so, stunning. So I went up to him uh, during the break and, and, and I introduced myself and I, I said, did I understand? <laughs> Did I, did I understand you to actually say that Jesus was a first century man and that therefore, I think the terminology that he actually used was we have to learn to grow beyond what he thought Mm, as a first mm, century mm, man. mm, mm. I said, is, and he's like, well, I don't remember exactly what I, I said. He said, but, but yeah, I would, I would agree with that. And I wish I had been a little cooler or, or something. <laughs> you weren't cool? But I, but, I, but I said, so you don't really believe in the Nicene Creed, right? He says, well, you don't think the apostles thought Jesus was God, do you? This is an adjunct professor at Fuller at the time. I'm a graduate of Fuller, okay? Um, and I'm like, obviously, yes. Would you like to debate this? Yeah. <laughs> that was probably not Please the best thing. What you're done. saying uh, is you could barely attend a debate that you weren't somehow no, involved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, when you've got somebody up there saying, the saying most ridiculous that kind of stuff, yeah, it, I mean, it, it's, it's sort of hard not to challenge it. So ridiculous. Give, give Fuller credit. They did get rid of him. Uh, so, you know, th- 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 there, is, there is at least Yikes. that. Yikes. Um, but, wow. but, but still, that is, that, is the, that, is the, that is what is out there. That's what's in academia. Um, and so you, you shouldn't be shocked that the pastors and churches are mm. not taking strong stands on these things. Because to take a strong stand on these things it t- requires one of two things. When a fundamentalist takes a strong stand on these things, and I'm talking about the fundamentalists we see online. I'm not talking about the... There's not many of the old school, no, 19, you know, the, the fundamentals series from the 1920s fundamentalists right. left. Right. We're talking about the fundamentalist mindset that is is proud of of its ignorance. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, so when the fundamentalist takes a strong stand, it's because he's just as certain that homosexuality is an abomination before God as he is certain that pantsuits will send women to hell. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. So that level, that the, the origin of the certainty is not a consistent understanding of biblical revelation or one that takes into consideration anything regarding history right. or anything like that at all. Right. So you either go from there or you have a truly developed understanding of the history of the Bible, the inspiration of the Bible, what that means. Um, you've, you've read the Chicago Statement on Inerrancy and really understand why they said the things they said yeah. and why, where, why they were trying to balance things and, 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 and things like that. And you really are emphasizing the consistency of Scripture over time. Um, those are the only 
ways you can go. Other than that, you're going to collapse. You're going to give in. Right. You're going to give in to the societal pressures. You're going to give in to political correctness, whatever else it might be. Right. And uh, that's exactly what we're seeing around us uh, all the time right now. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the situation. So um, so there's there's some of the Old Testament stuff. Yeah. <laughs> There's the Old Testament stuff. Okay. Everybody, you all caught that and you didn't miss anything and you have it all memorized, right? <laughs> now you're super prepared. You've gone through. You guys should. I recommend Clementine's grandpa's uh, series on the Holiness Code. I think I found it on Sermon Audio. It's Sermon Audio. And right. it was super um, It's on the It's on accessible. the Phoenix Reform Baptist Church web yeah, yeah. Uh, portion of Sermon Yeah. Audio. I think you can just look up. Uh, VRBC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or what's your name again? You can just put it in. Phoenix Reformed Baptist Church and the sermon series is uh, Holiness Code. It's right there. Yeah, it's right there. So catch that. And I'm going to, I think we're going to give you guys a little bit of a, a brain break. It looks, sounds like well, I there are one. debates on this as well. That's right. Tell us where, so you had that, um, what was their five hour long response to Matthew Vines? We did, we did it. We did five or six hours in response to Matthew Vines. We did five or six hours response to David Gushy. They're, they're all on the dividing line. We have a new website that where the search engine really works now, which is really nice. Yeah. Uh, and there's new stuff going to be coming at aomen.org, which could be pretty cool too. Yeah. Um, but, uh, then I've debated on this subject for years. Right. So I debated Barry Lynn. I was there for that. But I was like 12, so no, Which, no offense. I, yes, that was, <laughs> you were. And uh, you he tried to take su- a re-listen. He, yeah. he, he, tried, he tried to sue us to suppress remember, yes. that, that debate. I remember and that. the cross-examination of that debate was one of the yeah. most amazing things I you'll, you'll ever watch. Yep. Um, and then I debated uh, John Shelby Spong. That's right. That was fun. The Episcopalian. Uh, that uh-huh. was, yeah. Uh-huh. And, um, and then the most useful ones were in South Africa with Dr. Okay. Graham Codrington. Okay. Uh, two large churches. Well, the first was a large church. The second one was quite as large uh, in, uh, in the area of, of uh, Johannesburg. And um, we did homosexuality the first time. Technically, it was about gay marriage, but all we did was homosexuality. The right. second one was actually on homosexuality, on uh, gay marriage. And we actually did that only, I think, last year, if I recall correctly. Wasn't that only last year? I think so, yeah, yeah. And uh, so oh. uh, the, it is amazing that you have to go outside the United States. I mean, Matthew Vines has had our challenge to debate this for a very, very lengthy time. But, and he said once his book came out, he would, he would debate it, but he, but he, won't, no. he won't do it. So. No. All right, you guys, Ooh. drink some water, go to the Sheologian store. Join book club. Maybe listen to the episode twice. And next week, so we're going to talk about the the other three of the big six that we haven't right. talked about. Those mm-hmm. are from the New Testament. Um, I want to touch a little bit on the um, court cases that have been happening, what they have right. to do with us, why it matters, why you need to know. Um, I think they're – I think – I, I don't think I'm being dramatic when I say that these court rulings that have been happening are going to affect all of us mm-hmm. um, in ways that we need to be prepared for and conscientious of. And so, yeah, we'll keep you around. Can and we give them the passages one more time? From yes. The Old Testament? So Genesis 18 and 19, that's the story of Sodom and Gomorrah mm-hmm. and Leviticus 18, specifically 22 and 20, specifically 13. Mm-hmm. Um, or where you're going to find those. But, you know, I think as <laughs> we are not fans of just pulling verses out of context right. and then just throwing them. And I think you guys just heard the reasons why, because when you look at Genesis 18, 19, 20 in context, you get a whole picture painted for you that's much broader and more beautiful than... Which is not a way that 
we like to communicate nowadays. No. But can <laughs> certainly many, be many brought thoughts. back. We have many thoughts. Next week, join us for some more thinky thoughts on the topic. A conversation that lasts more than a few tweets. What? what? All right. Thanks, Dad. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you guys next week. See ya.